bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Ike Porter. Hey, thanks for having me out today, John. Thanks for joining us. One Broken Life is a podcast, a production of Freeway Ministries. Uh, many times you hear the stories of people who are on drugs. You hear about drug addicts and you hear about crime that comes from drugs and drug addiction. But what you don't hear about is the powerful impact of one radically changed drug addict can make mm -hmm. when the Lord gets a hold of them. And um, a lot of times people don't realize the intimate details that go on in people's lives that come from our background, Ike. Yeah. And so today we're going to explore your broken life. <laughs> okay. And um, and so a couple of verses that we usually go over, uh, kind of the theme of the podcast is Psalms 51, 17. Okay. The Bible says that uh, a broken heart and a contrite spirit the Lord will not despise, that the sacrifices of God are broken and a contrite heart. And he was talking to a group of people who were doing a lot of religious works without a lot of heart conviction. And um, and then and he says basically that the real sacrifice of God are a broken heart, right? And, and so uh, we're going to explore your broken life. We're going to talk about what brought you to your place of brokenness to make you who yeah. you are today. And then Psalms, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, The things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul talks about the things, plural things, was the past, what he had been through in his life, and uh, how all that had <clears throat> brought him to a place where he would take the gospel where it had not gone before. Yeah. And um, and I think that's a, a very a very uh, relevant verse today yeah. in your life and my life mm -hmm. and many others that we know. And so as we uh, explore your life, Ike, and, and uh, what it was like for you growing up yeah. and your past and what... what what uh, brought you to your place of brokenness? Why don't you just tell our listeners? Many of many of the people listening or watching on YouTube, uh, they've not really, uh, they don't really know, yeah, what goes on in a life of someone that comes from our background and yeah. what brought you to that place. And so, would yeah. you give us like five minutes of what was life like growing up for you? Okay. <clears throat> well, um, life growing up for me was. Uh, pretty much easy. I mean, until I was about a teenager, my family it was together. My mom and dad took us to a lot of things. We weren't really church people at all. We just, we did stuff together as a family. And then <clears throat> whenever I was uh, 13 years old, my father uh, cheated on my mother and my mother had caught him and had an affair and stuff. And they ended up getting a divorce. And it was immediately after that, that my mom 
uh, just went down. I mean, she wasn't a drinker. She wasn't a partier, but she got into drinking. And uh, it just was pretty much from that moment on, she started going to the bars. I started being able to go to my friend's house. The accountability just wasn't there because dad moved away and I was just with mom. And so uh, little by little, I just uh, kept having more and more freedoms and just being able to do more and more stuff. And uh, before you know it, I'm running around with the wrong crowd and uh, <clears throat> going to places I shouldn't be going, doing things like, uh, it's kind of crazy. I'm right up here. Well, there used to be a dryer shoe store right here and I robbed that dryer shoe store and got busted uh, just right next door to this place. What do you rob from the <clears throat> shoe store? Shoes. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. You try them on and run out in the new shoes? Well, I tried to grab them, but they caught me. Okay. Yeah. Was you a fat kid? No. Okay. I just wasn't very smart. <laughs> I was I was slow. Okay. I was a slow fat kid. Yeah. No offense to my fat friends or my heavyweight friends. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I was a lookout. Yeah. Because I was slow. Yeah. Still slow. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, <clears throat> and so just little by little, uh, as a teenager, um, I, because I didn't have the rules that I, I had at one time, I, I began to slip away and doing things, started drinking. Uh, started stealing alcohol, um, started smoking weed. And uh, <clears throat> then my neighbor, probably when I was about 15, uh, introduced me to methamphetamines and uh, tried that a couple times. I mean, it wasn't like I was doing it all the time. It was whenever my friends were hanging out and stuff. Um, but I made a decision to go in the military. And so uh, that was something that I wanted to do. And uh, that's what I ended up doing right after graduation. So I never really was... Uh, real wild uh in my childhood you know my parents were always there with me till i was about 13 but i remember once my dad was out of my life is where like the, just i just went on this downhill spiral and you know <clears throat> now i see it as my sin and everything was just directing me away from living a good life so okay so you go to you go to the military uh you you started using narcotics at 15. yeah you know one of the things that we teach here is that maturity attracts maturity and immaturity mm -hmm. attracts immaturity. Yeah. I mean, you just had a laughing fit in this place, yeah. right? And so there's some of that that comes with coming mm -hmm. from a past like ours. Yeah. I, I don't know when it, I can't really answer when it was when I started using drugs for the first time, mm -hmm. but I wasn't even a teenager. Yeah. And so I honestly believe the secular view that when you start using drugs, you stop maturing. Yeah. And so, you know, that mentality I mm -hmm. tell folks all the time, if you take a 30-year-old man that started using drugs at a young age, and you take a 30-year-old man that has never used drugs and was raised right, yeah, you put them together, they're not the same. <clears throat> no. The maturity level is not the same. And so you go into the military, <clears throat> and so what was that like? Man, uh, at first I just enjoyed the thunder out of it. It was nice having um, just learning discipline. It was nice to be able to work for something and, and, and it showed it was, it was, I had leadership that was, uh, that believed in me in the military and pushed me to become a better person. I, I kind of liked it because like my platoon sergeant and, um, like my CEO and several of the men that was in the military <clears throat> believed in me. And I, th that's what I was searching for. You know, I, I wanted to belong to something and I wanted people to love me and, I wanted people to care about me and, and I, what I was doing, I wanted it to make a difference um, and stuff. And so I got that from the military. I got that, 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 that feeling of being belonged to something and everything. And so, um, you know, my time in the military, it was fruitful until, you know, the whole 9-11 thing came on. And then, you know, I'll probably talk about that a little bit more in the second half with you. Okay. But. Okay. 
And so, uh, and I'm not asking you to give me any details. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. And I know that sometimes things that happen in the military mm-hmm. just, you know, you got to cope yeah. and deal with them in different ways. And so I know that uh, you went into the military. Uh, you were trying to get, you know, fix your life probably. Yeah. And uh, and so go to the military. A lot of times yeah. people will say that. I'm pro-military. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a great career if you're, yeah. you know, you feel called to that. <clears throat> and I've had I got another guy on here that was in the military, and he served two active combat tours mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. And that was his that was his identity. And yeah. so when the military, military was over, his identity was over. Yeah. And he yeah, came, I he, can. <laughs> yeah, I can resem- resemble that. <clears throat> so uh, so you told me when your drug use start mm-hmm. started right now in this. And this just kind of is kind of a little off, out of yeah. place. But how long have you been sober right now? Uh, I have been sober since uh, December. I got sober December 28th, and that was in 2007. At awesome. the end of it, I went to rehab 2008. So you get out of you get out of the military. Mm-hmm. Were you partying in the military, man? And that that was the thing. Like I was still lost. I didn't understand, you know, drinking, and I thought it was okay. Heck, I'm 21. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a young adult. I mean, if I can carry an AR-15 or I can shoot a rocket launcher, I can surely be able to handle drinking. And, and even whenever I was in there, I mean, we drank like fishes. You know, that was our way. When we were not training, we would get together and barbecue and drink. And, I mean, it wasn't like we were just out there busting windows and being being stupid. But there was times where we overdrank and wake up the next day and thinking, man, I'd almost rather be dead than, than have to go run today or, or whatever it might be. And I think a lot of that carried over. I know when we were in Iraq, a lot of us, the only thing there was to do was lift weights. And I remember over there, uh, one of the guys was able to get on the internet and uh, ordered some uh, steroids. And here we are, we're over there eating these pink dragons and they're just a, a, like a, a steroid that you can take. And man, I mean, they were, they make you crazy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You eat them and I mean, they pump you up and you're over there lifting and you're changing who you are. And I mean, you throw that in with here you are every day going out on patrols and that you got loaded weapons and you're rolling hard. I mean, it's kill or be killed. It's survival. You, you're going to be the meanest. You're going to look the toughest. You're going to be the hardest everywhere you go. And whether you're on security or you're out just doing a detail or whatever it might be, I mean, it's dangerous. And so you mix that stuff in with, you know, life. And, and even over there, I mean, we weren't supposed to be drinking, but even in the military, you find a way to get alcohol and stuff and so friday and saturday nights would be party nights and stuff and um i mean i think it's good that you vent when you're in a combat zone but we weren't venting the proper way you know what i'm saying so okay so you you served the military thank you for that by the way yeah Yeah, appreciate that and uh so you come home from the military yeah so what's what what's that like man that's uh where honestly all hell broke loose and so um, I met my my ex-wife, uh, come home, have a child, um, and just, man, before even her and I, relationship began to build. I mean, we had a, a child out of marriage, um, wasn't walking a, a godly life at all, still didn't, hadn't known Christ, and um, <clears throat> I began to start a business. I uh, started a painting business because I was looking to do something, and I had all that money from going to combat, so... Um, but I was still going out to the bars and through that and drinking, I end up meeting some friends and, and uh, get back into, you know, uh, smoking meth. And that's where just the, that's where it just all broke loose. I mean, 
my life became a living hell. And I, I took all that addiction and I turned it on my, my ex-wife. Of course, she left me and took my five-year-old or five-month-old son at that time. And I mean, it was just horrible. I, I look back on it and just the, the stuff, I never was that kind of person, but you know, the methamphetamines turned me into this wicked evil. I mean, I, uh, abusive, uh, just it, the kind of lying and, and deception. I mean, to my own family, you know, it had me so paranoid that I, I, and I think a lot of that too, was just from being in combat and coming home and, you know, they offer you help. But at that time, heck, I'm, I'm 25 years old. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I, I'm good. You know, I'm a sergeant now, and, and I've done, 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 done got my combat stripes and, you know, all that stuff. I don't want no help. I want to go back and live my life now, and I should have got that help because, truthfully, there was a lot of stuff that was buried that I never really talked about and that I carried. And um, <clears throat> adding drug use to that, it was horrible. I mean, I was low crawling from one end of my house to the other, looking out the vents, thinking, you know, the enemy still coming after me at times. I'd stay up so long. I'd be up in my attic. I would literally uh, embark myself inside my house. And I mean, I, I remember pushing couches in front of the door. I remember booby trapping doors because I thought somebody was going to come through them and, and, you know, they were going to try to kill me. And it was horrible just uh, within a small amount of time what the drugs were doing to me. I, I began to lose my business. I worked for a, a guy um, here in town who uh, really talked and shared Christ with me a lot, helped me out, gave me a lot of work. Um, and I know he's tied in with Freeway Ministries, and I'm not going to say his name because I didn't ask him if I could say his name. But um, I know he, who he is. Yeah. Good man. And uh, I remember him trying to crawl through my window one day to get a hold of me to say, man, you're ruining your life. And he, I remember him opening my window, and he's like, you're lucky I just don't come in and beat you. I, I should beat you. You're, you're, you're ruining yourself. You're ruining everything around you. Quit. And I remember him pleading with me, and I wouldn't come out and talk to him because I was too ashamed. You know, I'd been up for days and, and stuff. And uh, it was just crazy, man. And my, my wife had left me, and, and I just began to run around with people that it's like it sucked me farther and farther away from the real honest people in my life to it just the crowd got darker and darker and uh you know the relationships that i would be in i mean oh my goodness the 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 stuff that i would do you know behind closed doors and uh and stuff i mean the pornography that i got steeped into and just that just the the darkness of of that life and nothing ever made me happy but the dope it, it got so bad i tell i was talking last week we was uh Preach. I figured out what, what it was. First uh, Corinthians two. Mm. I was talking about the wisdom of God. Yeah. And uh, anyways, um, <clears throat> I told everybody in the crowd we was talking. There's a lot of different people here, and um, on Saturday night, and I said, uh, I said some people say they don't know how to reach our people group. Yeah. So I see you, me, mm -hmm. people we minister to, people who struggle with uh, addiction and mm -hmm. uh, criminal background. I see them as a people group. Mm -hmm. You go to Haiti, you reach Haitians. Yep. You go to Honduras, you reach Hondurans. Well, we are a people group inside. We're a culture in a culture. Yeah. And um, and I say, some people say, I don't know how to reach them. I uh, don't have a past like theirs. I never mm -hmm. was an addict. And I tell I tell people, you you are an, you were an addict. Yeah. <clears throat> you're you're a, you're a meaholic. Yep. And so uh, selfaholic. Yep. And that's what addiction is. It's the ultimate form of selfishness. Yep. And we know that the devil doesn't care. If you're in church, if you're yeah. lost, and it's all about you, because yeah. that's how he operates. And addiction, like you said, took you so dark. Mm -hmm. 
First, you don't care about your money. Then you don't care about your family. Yeah. Then you don't care about your health. Then you don't care about your freedom. Then yeah. you don't care about your life. Mm-hmm. All you care about, you're so selfish yeah. that you just care about getting high again, getting high, pleasing the yeah. flesh. And um, and you said that the, that you were, you thought the enemy was after you, and you were right. Yeah. He was. Yeah. yeah. You know? It was awful. I, I remember one day, in fact, the sheriff lived right across the street from me where I lived at over behind uh, Bass Pro, and I, I remember thinking this guy that that was my dealer at that time something that went wrong and he thought i owed him money and blah blah you know how it goes i remember i thought i saw his vehicle drive by three or four times and this i would never do this but i remember just running out with my shotgun and a pistol and just just blazing off in the air shooting it up in the air that could have got me thrown in prison but i mean i that's what the dope had done to me it just turned me into this this evil monster that i could not control and uh Man, I'm so I'm so glad I'm over that life, man. I'm telling you, Amen. today I got saved is. Man. So let's uh. So we're we're kind of just speeding ahead here. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah, uh, I mean it's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were growing up as a kid, did you ever think you'd be a drug addict? No. Who'd you look up to growing up? Man, I looked up to my grandfather. I looked up to my dad. You know, my grandfather was a retired uh, military master sergeant and served in Korea War. Um, man, he invested in me and, and, man, took me fishing all the time, hunting. I just always wanted to be around my grandfather. It was just he he was always there for me. And my dad, you know, I've always looked up to my dad. And, and even though my dad got that divorce and he was kind of absent in my life for about 15 years, um, God's put us back together. In fact, we just spent last week together and, and hanging out. And uh, I, I, I've forgiven my dad, you know, just for all that stuff. I used to carry it, and I was mad at him. You know, I never told him that. But now, you know, I mean, now that I'm a Christian, and now I know what forgiveness is, and now I, I, the same thing that I'm asking for is the same thing that, you know, he would want. And, forgive uh, one another as yeah. God Christ forgave you. Yeah, you know, and telling him I love him. And just when I, pay, when I you know, he lives up in St. Louis, so when we have phone calls now, you know, we sit on the phone and talk and laugh and and uh it's like i forgot about all that stuff now you know what i mean it's not it's not present in my life i'm not like oh dad's calling me what does he want you know he wants to talk to me he wants to hear my voice you know so amen that's awesome yeah so god is restoring that relationship is there addiction in your family ike yeah, I would say uh, my uncle, my uncle Donnie, he's passed away. He got cirrhosis of the liver, and uh, he died from drinking alcohol. Alcohol's been a big, a big thing in our family. So, my mom, she was an alcoholic for several years. Thank God that the Lord got a hold of her heart too, and now yeah. she's not drinking. And you know, she's suffering from the consequences though of, of drinking for just some twelve years. Hard whiskey, I mean, you know, her liver and everything. She's had a lot of health issues from it. So. Yes, and it's socially accepted, too, yep. and that's the problem with alcohol. It's yeah. the killer. I mean, it's a big killer. Yeah. But um, so as we, we talk about your family past, we talk about, you know, um, kind of your what brought you, like what brought Ike Porter to his broken place? Like, oh, man. Where you came to your – I tell people that <laughs> rock bottom is not a place. It's a state of mind. No. And so you can have like these traumatic things happen in your life and never hit rock bottom. And then one day you can have run down, run out of gas on a gravel yeah. road after losing your kids and going to prison and none of that, none of that broke you, but running out of gas that day, you hit bottom, yeah. you know? So it's that state of mind. And so whatever it is. So what brought Ike Porter to that rock bottom state of mind? 
Man, there's a lot of stuff, but uh, I, so my wife had left me, wasn't seeing my kid, and I was staying with another another girl who was just uh, in steeped in addiction too. And uh, of course, two addicts don't do good to get to each other. And I left my house, and I given it over to the guy who was, you know, doing drugs, giving me drugs. And he was pretty much paying me in rent, you know, drugs for rent. And, and of course there was a whole bunch of people staying over there and I had all my furniture and everything. And man, it was a hustle. They were hustling me and holding me down just cause they, they had the perfect thing going on. You know what I'm saying? And, um, so it came down to where the bank's finally going to take the house. I wasn't making no more payments. And I remember, uh, her family was like, you can't come around no more. I mean, her mom was spying. She she told me she had the FBI looking for me, everything in the world, like trying to keep me away from her daughter. And finally, I got away from her daughter. And I remember going home and, man, all my stuff's out front. And uh, my house was being repossessed uh, by the bank. And I just remember sitting on my front porch and I was just bawling, man. I was crying. I was in this just broken. It was like, how did I get to this place? How, how did I get from two years ago having, you know, $50,000 in the bank and being a, a combat veteran to this place right here where I don't have anything? And I, I mean, it was just the most broken place that I could be. And I remember this guy running down my street, this guy jogging, and uh, he's like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and I remember just wanting to throw up both my middle fingers to him. And, and oh, yeah, I was just like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I still was sitting out there and because uh, I, I didn't have anything else left. My it was my wife had hired a, um, a private investigator. They came over and stole my truck in the middle of the night. So I had no wheels. I had nothing. It was crazy. They didn't steal it. It was hers anyway. So the private investigator took your truck. Took the truck. They and, didn't know they could do that. Well, and they found the, the pipes in it and everything else. And, man, they did, used all that stuff against me which it was all how god works anyway he takes you to this place where he's trying to, to wake you up and um about probably 45 minutes come back by and this gentleman just is jogging back by and he comes up in my yard and, and uh, he just begins to minister to me it's crazy like he just i had been crying and he looks at me and he says man you look like you got a lot of pain behind your eyes and i just remember like what and he's like, yeah, he's like, I bet you've seen a lot of crazy things, haven't you? And uh, I was, I, it was like God had sent an angel at that moment. And I said, yeah. And he asked me what was going on. And I just began to tell him like, man, I'm addicted to drugs. I'm, I'm, my house is, is gone. They're taking it from me. I've lost everything and, and I'm miserable and I don't know what to do. And man, I just remember him putting his hand on my shoulder and, uh, he said, man, you know, right now God's got you exactly where he wants you at. And I just remember like stepping back and I was like, God's got me where I'm wanted at. If there's really a God, why would I be like where I'm at right here? And I always believe there was a higher power and I believe that there was a God, but I didn't know who Jesus Christ was. And that day I had these two gigantic oak trees in my front yard and it was a windy day. And uh, I said, if God's real, why would I be here? And I just remember him said, look at those trees right there. And, and those trees were just blowing. I never forget they're just swaying back and forth. And he says, you can see the trees, can't you? And he says, you can see them moving, but you can't see the wind. And he says, the wind's the spirit of God. And he says, the spirit of God's calling on your heart right now. And he says, if you give your life to Christ, I'm telling you, things can change after today. And I just was like, and he's like, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And man, I got down on my knees with this total stranger, a black guy, you know, here, here I'm a white guy and this guy's a black guy coming up to witness to me. And, and, uh, man, that day I just cried out to the Lord and I remember him just falling down and crying with me and saying, it's okay. He said, just believe in your heart, believe in your heart. 
and ask Christ to come into your heart. And uh, that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Where's that guy at? <laughs> oh, man. So I'll get, do you want me to tell you? The, no, no, uh, no, uh, uh, okay. uh, Eventually, yes. We got to come back to the guy because yeah, yeah. this is crazy how God works. <laughs> Um, but anyway, man, so that I, I was so mad that my house was being took prior to all my stuff being evicted out. My mom, it came over the day before and she's like, you've lost everything. You've messed up your whole life and your son's gone now. And aren't you proud of yourself? And I just wigged out on my mom. I kicked every cabinet door in, in the house, busted them all up. They were all, I mean, I just destroyed my house fist punk. You know how it is. The anger was just, it was way up here. And I went back in and I got up by the sink and I remember taking a cabinet and it was splintered out, just splintered out. And I pushed that cabinet back together and every one of them splinters went back together. It was wow. insane, John. I mean, just insane. And I just remember bawling over that sink and throwing water on my face and just, just crying. I could not quit crying. I could not. I just recognized that day my brokenness and, and my sin and how evil I'd been living my life. And I remember going back in my bedroom and laying down and, and I didn't even, my mattress was out in the front yard. And I remember laying down in my bedroom and, and I fell asleep and it was just crazy how God had been working all this out, stuff out. Because when I woke up the next day, I called my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm ready to go get help. I said, I'm, I'm ready to go today. And what's crazy is two weeks prior to that, she had already been talking to the VA in Fayetteville. And they said, as soon as you can get him up here, we'll get him in. We got a spot for him. And so she came over and got me. My Aunt Nancy came over and got me and road tripped up there. And you know, when you're coming off dope, you're just sick. I mean, when you've been taking it every single day and doing eight balls and you know how it's just, it's horrible. And I remember getting up there and, and they put me in a place for veterans. It's called Decision Point. And um, I went through the rehab up there and... Uh, while I was there, you know, sharing my heart with them, I still didn't know a whole lot about Christ. You know, I just know that he got me where to the next step. They end up sending me to Fort Roots, uh, Arkansas, which is a place for veterans that that's been to war and they have uh, counseling there. You live there for about four, I think four months. I stayed there uh, in house and, and um, they teach you stuff about living your life spiritually and just all kinds of uh, all kinds of help I was getting. They had Vietnam veterans there. But when I was there, I met a chaplain, and this chaplain would come by. I still didn't know who really God was. I just know that, that he had changed my life. I didn't know the word. I, I wasn't reading the Bible. But this chaplain would come by, and he would encourage me and pray with me. And, and uh, I was just about to graduate, John. This is, this is insane how God works. But I was just about to graduate, and this chaplain comes in, and he goes, I, what do you want your life to be about? He's like, you can either go back home and go right back to the places that you was at, or you can go back home and let me encourage you. You go back home and find you a church to go to. Go and tell that pastor exactly what, what God's done, what you've been through, and let that pastor guide you and help you. And uh, so I graduated that program. I came back, and that's what happened. God put me in. A, uh, my friend Ryan, we, I went to, uh, oh, gosh, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And I was just hanging out with some friends. We were eating dinner, and my friend stood up, Holly, which is my wife now. And I was like, why would anybody stand that girl up? Well, this is crazy because Holly's lost her in a goose now. So Holly <laughs> lost her in a goose. Her in a goose. Okay. She did not know Christ. Yeah. But uh, so 
I'm hanging out with her. It's like the second time we're hanging out. We're not even dating. And she's like, hey, you want to come over and meet my parents? I was like, yeah. So we grabbed a pizza and we go over and meet Julie and Steve, her mom and dad. And I walk in and her dad's sitting at the end of a table with a with a Bible. And he just begins to sit down, you know, and we just start begin to talk. And he's like, so tell me, you know, do you know the Lord? And I was like, actually, I do. And I started sharing about what Christ done and found out that he had done been in trouble for uh, selling methamphetamines, got caught with a sawed off shotgun, was looking at 15 years in federal prison and shared about how Christ came into his life. Now he's driving a bus for a, a, a church and what God's done in his life. And it was like, God just put us together like this. Amen. And so I was going over there. Oh, I got to go back to this one thing. So I go to church with them. They invite me to church the next day. And I go to Hillside Baptist Church out here, 266, an old country church. Yeah. And I walk in. It's a Sunday night. And John Bingham, which is now the head pastor, he was a youth pastor, was preaching on baptism. God's got a way of getting you, man. I didn't, I wasn't baptized. I didn't know what baptism really was. And the next thing I know, man, he just gives the invitation. And I, it was like, God just told me run up there. And I got baptized that night by John. Yeah. John Bingham, man, man, it was, it was amazing. But then they, they began to disciple me and they hooked me and they, God used it really to, to, um, me doing the discipleship, I go there every Sunday morning with her mom and dad, and Holly would sit there because she wanted to be with me. She'd sit there and listen to what we were doing. And, man, it was it was insane, just the prayers and, and learning the Bible and how God just began to open my eyes and open my heart and how I was like, how did I not know this thing was real for so long? How come I, you know, and, and, and as I began to, um, began to read it, man, it, I hungered for it and realized it was changing my life and stuff, so... Um, yeah, so. Amen. So, so, man, you just turned the fire hydrant on. Oh, dude, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I'm sorry. Awesome. Man, I wish I could tell more because it's just exciting you how you God. You say whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all good. Tell more. I mean, you know, uh, people need to hear this stuff because yeah. they may see somebody shooting their shotgun off in the middle of the street, you know, yeah. halfway homeless, lunatic front furniture in the front yard and think that dude's wasted life yeah and they hear your story and they're thinking hold on a minute yeah you know that <laughs> yeah. used to be that guy yeah and 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 we're going to talk about uh what happened you know after you came to christ here in a little bit but uh did you ever try to get sober on your own ike i mean was there times before you went to treatment where you attempted to stop man okay my attempting was whenever the dope man wouldn't answer my phone calls yeah and I remember, and then the girl that I was staying with in this toxic relationship that was super abusive, uh, it was more of me, she kicking me out, me having to go stay at my mom's, and, and, you know, I was out of money and out of stuff. So that was the only time I could really quit. It was a couple of days until the next high came. Amen. So tell me about the guy. I got to know. The guy. The guy who led you to the Lord. Okay. All right. So the guy that led me to the Lord, this is intense. So after I've been saved, now me and my wife, my wife got saved after about a year. We were going to Hillside. God used that. Um, she ends up going in. She wasn't your wife? No, okay. she wasn't my wife. We were just dating. And so she ends up getting saved. And uh, the pastor preaches a, a message there. And, and I won't jump too far ahead because I know I'm going to talk about that in the second half. 
is, uh, so we preach a message on surrendering your life. And so I went down to the altar and I'm like, I'm just bawling after Pastor Tolbert preached. I'm like, God, if this is what you want me to do, work at rib crib all my life and, and, <laughs> and, and slang ribs, then I'm going to do it, God. But if you have something more for me, God, just open the door for me, show me whatever it may be. And I just remember just genuinely just pouring out my heart to God. And so the next day, or it was about two days later, I'm waiting tables on Tuesday night, rib uh, rib special night. All you need ribs. Hey, baby. And uh, David Loy, who's the veterans rep for Baptist Bible College, walks in, and, and I'm waiting tables, and we start noticing that we're both veterans, and we start talking, and I'm saying amen. And he's like, you're a Christian, aren't you? I'm like, heck yeah. And I said, I, I'm just newly saved. I'm doing discipleship and all this stuff. And uh He's like, man, have you ever think about coming to Baptist Bible College? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, what if I could get you your GI Bill? And I'm like, what? And he's like, come visit us. He's like, man, we're starting class in two weeks. Come up and I'll show you around the college. Man, God was just hook, line, and sinker me with David Loy. So I go up to the college and uh, got a tour of it, and I fell in love. And at that time, they had a one-year degree. It was just a, a Bible, simple Bible degree. You just learned Old Testament, New Testament. So I was just signing up for that. Well, I finished that one year little degree or whatever it is, you know, just a certificate. Man, the whole time I was there, man, my heart just kept melting more and more for the Word of God and the truth was coming out of it. And so I ended up staying for five years and got a bachelor's in pastoral studies. And yeah, it's just insane. I could tell you more. I mean, I got to do the be the class speaker, you know, and get up and share the Word of God in front of all my peers. And, and man, it was it was really cool how God opened that. But to get back to the question, see, I'm there's a lot. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Who's the guy? Okay, so th this guy, <laughs> I never really got to know him. Yeah. So Holly and I are at Super Walmart out on West uh, West Bypass and Sunshine. We're in there. We're it's right after church, man. We're in our church get up, and at that time, man, uh, I always wore a tie and, and I had my shirt tucked in, and you know, I just got out of church, and uh, so we're going to pay for our stuff at Walmart. And we're in line, and I walk up to this gentleman. I'll never forget that tattoo. It was the Alpha and Omega because I remember when we were praying. I looked at the back of his head, and he had the Alpha and Omega tattooed on the back of his head. And I walk up, and here he is. And I've only told the story to Holly, so here's me and this black guy in line. And the next thing I know, I'm elbowing him like that because I, I was just trying to get his attention playing around with him. I was wanting to – and he turned around and looked at me. And I said, you don't remember me, do you? And he's like – I said, you don't remember coming up in my yard on one of the most brokenest places my life had ever been in. And I said, you shared Jesus Christ with me. Amen. And he had this girl with him, and the tears just start rolling down his face. And it's like he couldn't even breathe. And he looked at me and he said, man, my life's a mess. Wow. He's like, I've been running from God. I don't know. And he's like, I said, man, don't run from God no more. I was like, wait, let me pray with you. And, and I remember we just tried to have a conversation with him. And as he's walking out, he drives past me and my wife. And he's just got these tears blowing down his face. And he's just Oof. driving. And I've never seen the guy again in, wow. in my life, but it was just crazy. Yeah, Maybe you, know, you were his missionary driving yeah, by. Yeah, you know, <laughs> isn't that crazy how God used that? That's so <laughs> cool. Him and be a messenger for me, and I got to, you know, message right back to a, really a stranger in my life and stuff. So, Wow, that's incredible. It's intense, dude. man. Yeah. It's intense. That's only God. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So me and Ike, we met, uh, you and I met at BBC. Yep. And so I was the other drug addict yep. at BBC. I thought, uh, when I first seen you, I was like, who 
who's this crazy dude walking up in here, man? Yeah. Everybody was intimidated of strong John Stewart. They're like, who's the guy? Because you know most people ain't got tattoos on their neck. And, yeah. And and tattoo on his eye. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it listen, was a little different. I was singing. I was singing in the chapel the first day Mark Milioni walked in as a president. Yeah. And uh, and they were all looking at me like, whose dad is that? Yeah. You I know. know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah. Because. So they had had us that that through that chapel uh, come in, and then they say, "Okay, these are your assigned seats wherever you're sitting." It was me, Kenneth Brock, Chuck Davis, yeah, and somebody else, and we were all the only besides you. I think you were about to graduate. You were close to graduation. Yeah. We were the three ex drug addicts, yep. and we're all happy to be sitting next to each other. Now Kenneth's got a church in south dakota and he's got a freeway yeah. there amen you know? and that's how god works yeah so that's incredible so it's pretty cool when did you realize there was hope for you oh i realized that there was hope once i started getting help for it you know i i realized that there was hope that day that i called on the name of the lord like i i to tell somebody over the radio just how hurt and how tired i was of running the, how tired i was of lying how tired i was of just chasing after the high and to just truly cry out to the, the, the creator of the universe that day because I had tried everything in my own power. I tried money. I tried relationships. I tried, you know, identity in military, identity in, in clothes, identity in vehicle. I, I, I tried everything and nothing at the end of it. And I just remember that day for the first time in my life, just honestly, the weight of life was lifted. Amen. And that, that was whenever I recognized that there was hope. That was the only hope I was able to have to get up to call my mom the next day to truly go to the rehab that I needed to go to. So your that, stuff was outside. Yeah. So where were you sleeping mom, at? Mom, oh, man, I was going from house to house, friends. I was living in my car. I mean, I, yeah. When I, I remember calling my mom, bawling. This was like a week before then. I'm out of gas. I'm out here on some road. I don't even know the address of the road. I, I thought people were following me, you know, and here my mom comes, bells me out with a can of gas, and she'd always, she was always there, you know, so. So do you ever fear relapse? Yeah. Yeah. Better fear it. I it's, fear the Lord more, though. <laughs> it's reality, yeah. isn't it? Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, uh, I'm – I'm one dumb decision away from a needle in yeah. my arm. I'm so thankful that I'm in the ministry, and I'm so thankful that I, I'm in a church that uh, has accountability. I'm so thankful for the people that God surrounded me with because without all them, I would just—I mean, I'm a wicked person. Right. I mean, I proved that. You know what I'm saying? Just by my old life, and and I don't want to ever go back to that. I mean, that's you without Jesus. Yes. So we we know that. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Yep. And so we don't need Jesus plus anything, do yep. we? Yep, no. And so it's, you know, we are without him depraved and yeah. capable of whatever. Yeah. And so I, I'm the same way. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't know if I'm afraid to relapse, like I'm, mm -hmm. like I'm thinking about it's going to happen or something like that, but I put those boundaries up in my life. I've been cleaning sober yeah. since 2008 of June, yeah. so you got one year on me. Uh, you said 2007, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's, you know, I got some clean time and I don't count the days and I don't say, you know, 3,400. I don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do, I do have some time under my yeah. belt. But I know I'm no better than that guy out there who yeah. can't stop getting drunk today. Yeah. You know, we are just like each other. And uh, it's, it's those boundaries and disciplines. And yeah. you talked about the discipline that you earned, learned in the Army. I tell people that, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't a great basketball player, 
because he stuck his tongue out when he lay, did a layup or he, he wore the number 23. Mm -hmm. He was a great basketball player because of what you seen, what you didn't see him do. Yeah. And that was the training and the discipline. Yeah. And so yeah. we have to make sure, brother, that, <laughs> that we're training Man. every day in the yeah. word yeah. and that we're disciplined mm -hmm. and we've got boundaries up in our lives. Yeah. Because if not, if you just go through the motion, mm -hmm. that'd be like Michael Jordan playing the playoffs without practicing, yeah. you know? Yeah. He, he's not going to make it. Yeah. So, amen. What does your family think about you now? Oh, man, my mom and my mom and dad, they're just super proud of, you know, never thought that I'd be a preacher. Never thought that I'd be, you know, in the ministry and stuff like that. I never saw myself as that, but God saw me fit to do that. And so, um, man, you know, they're, they're my greatest supporters now. And besides my wife and my kids love freeway, my kids love to go to freeway. My kids love when we, I mean, they go out with us when we're handing flyers out They're They're at every service with me. And, uh, I mean, they're, and it's crazy because you say my family, but man, it's even my church family, my, my pastor, Kevin, man, he's like, he is, he's like a father to me. That's he sticks closer than a brother. I mean, we're in each other's office. We laugh, we cry, we hug, we pray. Uh, I mean, we're in each other's grill. He, it's funny. Like he can even know by, by just how I carry myself sometimes what's going on in my life. He, and, and he's like, man, come on, let's talk. You know, and, and just having that in my life is so important. Um, he just, cares. Yeah. Pays attention. Mm -hmm. He knows your face. Yep, he sure does. Yeah, that's yep. good. So, And I know his, too. That's what's cool about it. So, Yeah, we're a family here, too. Yeah. At this, you know, we're at the World Headquarters today in what used to be a bowling alley on the north side of Springfield. And uh, and you am sure you drank beer here in this oh, building. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, people tell yeah. me, you don't know what I did <laughs> yeah. there, you know. I'm like, oh, I got a good idea, but... Uh, praise I'm proud of you. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Yeah. I, I mean, God yeah. gets the glory today. Yeah. I mean, and getting to talk in this and, and I just like to say that anybody listening in, let me tell you something. I, I remember feeling maybe what you're feeling today. And I remember not having, you know, just trusting people and, and, and trusting in things and, and all that. And I just, I want to encourage you today, you know, don't stay there. God is God is in everything. And let me tell you, when you truly give your life to Jesus Christ, when you truly come from a place of a broken state, and like you said, a contrite heart, and you turn that over, the Lord saves you from that. And I'm telling you, there, like 14 years ago, just the, I, the, the relief to just finally be free from it. Amen. And getting saved and, and man... And not only that, whenever you start reading God's word and you realize, man, how did I walk in darkness so stinking long when yeah. there's so much truth here and there's so much help. And, you know, this, when you're in addiction and you're doing that, you don't realize how much you, how much anger and how much anxiety, all that stuff. And, and, and it's so cool to just know that the word has the answers to all that God's word. And, and he just doesn't leave you hanging after he saves you. He begins to work on your heart and mold you and shape you and sanctify you Amen. and turn you out, man. And then he allows you to do some stuff where you you know get to go and run a camp for for the lord or drive a van for the lord or do something and you begin to instead of wasting your life you begin to give your life away and god begins to use your life and and you find joy instead of giving living for yourself you find joy in helping others amen and there's more joy i i get high off helping others versus getting high off drugs nowadays you know what i'm saying and and that's what keeps me going is just 
the moment I see the light bulb turn on for somebody, the moment I see somebody go flush a bag of dope in the toilet or the right. moment, you know what I'm saying? That, 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 that they get on that altar and get saved. I know what God's doing in their life. And so I want to coach them. I want to come alongside them. You know what I'm saying? And Amen. I want to be the ride rider. You know what I mean? Like instead of doing it the wicked way, I want to do it the right way for the Lord. So, Amen. well, there may be somebody listening today that, that, um, is that rock bottom? Yeah. And, uh, we want you to know you can message us through our website. You can message us through Facebook, Freeway Ministries, uh, Ashgrove, Freeway yeah. Ministries, Springfield, um, freewayministries.com, freeway-ministry.com. We have a way to message us there. Uh, you can call the number on this website, so we'd love to help you. Um, and so we, we've explored your broken life, your past, uh, your before Christ. And so we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what God's doing now, who you are today, okay. the after Christ time. And so thank you guys for joining us. If you've enjoyed this podcast and um, you'd like to uh, help us continue to reach one broken life at a time, you can support us. We are a production of Freeway Ministries. And uh, you can go to freeway-ministries.com and you can make a donation. Or you can share this with your friends uh, or on whatever you listen to, maybe Spotify or um, Apple or even through the Facebook page, uh, One Broken Life at a Time. Thank you for joining us, brother. Amen. And we'll see you guys for the next uh, episode. All right.